Rosie Tillis and Lily Mundy, Duke Plastic Surgery residents on The Resident Review, a Duke Plastic Surgery podcast. This is a lecture series designed to aid in preparation for a yearly in-service examination. Our goal is to take you through high-yield topics along with experts in their respective fields in order to maximize your knowledge and potential scores. We're excited to announce the launch of our website, theresidentreview.com, and we invite you all to visit the website for episodes, scripts, resources, and more. Stay tuned after this episode for a brief message about our sponsors. This episode is part of a new series we're starting, which is Back to Basics, and it's geared towards anyone interested in the field of plastic surgery, including people starting their sub-eyes, like uh, fourth-year medical students or incoming interns, just as a way to review kind of our basic knowledge and some terminology and get you geared up to do your best. So Lily um, has prepared a wonderful talk, which went over really well. We uh, ran it by some of our incoming sub-eyes, and um, we're excited to take you through it. Thanks, Rosie. As Rosie mentioned, my name is Lily. I'm one of the uh, graduating chief residents at Duke Plastic Surgery, and today we'll be talking about something we um, consider FLAPS 101. This is going to be basics of FLAPS and graphs. Um, we will go through a lot of terminology and different nomenclature that may be confusing as people are getting started in the field. So first, we're going to start with something um, that you probably hear very frequently, which is this term recipient or donor. And this is relatively a straightforward concept. The recipient is going to describe any location um, that, the, that requires the reconstruction. So this is where you're going to be placing your flap. We also use the term recipient when describing blood vessels for microvascular anastomosis. You may hear us saying, that the recipient vessels are discussing something about the recipient vessels. This is the location that you're reconstructing. Whereas the donor site is where you're receiving the, you're taking the tissue from. So you may hear us talk about morbidity of the donor site um, or uh, blood vessels in the donor site for tissue. And again, that would be the tissue that you're taking and bringing to the recipient site for, for reconstruction. All right, so let's get into what the difference is between a flap and a graft. Rosie, do you wanna talk about that? Yeah, definitely. Um, this is something that's really important in plastic surgery, and you'll hear these terms kind of thrown around sometimes within other specialties, and we're not going to say that it's wrong the way other people use it, but we're going to say we're a little bit more precise in the way we use it. And so a flap is tissue that is transferred or transplanted with an intact circulation. So like with its blood supply attached, and you will transplant that to another location and reconnect the blood supply. Or alternatively, you could be discussing like a pedicled flap or mm -hmm. just a general soft tissue reconstruction. Again, all of this is um, tissue that's brought with an intact blood supply, which as Rose mentioned, could be disconnected and reconnected like in a free flap or left in place, such as a pedicled or an advancement flap. Mm -hmm. And then a graft is tissue that is transferred or transplanted without its intact circulation. So this could be things like a skin graft, um, fat grafting, or anything like that. We'll often hear it, especially in the context of neurosurgery, they'll, they'll elevate a piece of bone from a craniotomy. <laughs> like somebody may take off like a bone flap, but if it doesn't come with its blood supply, then you're, you're putting it back as a graft technically. So grafts require angiogenesis and a blood supply to grow into this tissue in the recipient site. Exactly. So a lot of really common ways that we use grafts in plastic surgery, which y'all may be familiar with is. When we take skin grafts, those could be either split or full thickness grafts, or when we um, do fat grafting, which is a common um, procedure in breast reconstruction or in contouring and aesthetic surgery. Um, and so in both of those scenarios, we're taking tissue that 
has lost the architecture of its blood supply and is gaining blood supply and vascularization from the tissue bed that you're bringing it to. All right, next we're gonna move into a couple um, different classification systems for, for flaps. And I think at least for myself, when I was learning, what was very confusing is all of these terms aren't really mutually exclusive. And there's just a couple different ways that we can characterize, describe and talk about flaps. So it's important to just um, sort of break down what somebody's saying when they're describing a certain flap, but recognize that these aren't going to be mutually exclusive concepts. So there's three primary things that you're gonna use to characterize and describe flaps. The first is the component of what's in that flap. This could be skin, muscle, bone, fascia, or a combination of those. You may often hear people that you work with talking about this is a muscle flap or this is a bone flap. So the type of classification they're using in that sense is what the component is. The second um, thing that flaps can be characterized a name based on is the location of the recipient site and proximity to the donor site. So this is going to be a local flap, a regional flap, or a distant flap. Local flaps can be um, advancement flaps, rotational, transposition, and a variety of flaps of that nature. They're all adjacent to the, to the donor site is adjacent to the recipient site. So think here, you're elevating very localized tissue to your wound and bringing this over. Alternatively, a regional flap is a flap that is in the general vicinity, but not necessarily directly adjacent to where it needs to go. And then lastly, a distant flap, this could include a free, free tissue transfer, or free flap, but it could also include pedicled flaps such as a cross leg flap or a groin flap that you're going to use for a hand defect. The final um, type of classification is vascular pattern. Rosie, before we go on to vascular pattern, could you kind of break down what an advancement or rotational transposition flap, those tend to be really confusing. Yeah, so in terms of local flaps, when we're talking about where we're taking the tissue from and how it gets to its recipient site, advancement flaps are unidirectional uh, tissue advancements into the defect. So you're basically making a couple cuts and stretching the skin without rotating it, turning it, or having any lateral movement. So if you think of um, the procedures we do, sometimes a V to Y flap, where you're making these back cuts and you're advancing that to that V slice of tissue, that's an advancement flap. Rotational flaps rotate the flap that you're creating on kind of a semicircle, a little axis um, on a pivot point. And transposition flaps rotate the tissue laterally around a pivot point to an immediately adjacent defect. So you're transposing a, a specific segment of tissue into a defect, and then you have to close your donor site. Wonderful, that, that's really helpful. The last primary way that flaps are gonna be classified with this type of nomenclature is based on the vascular pattern. So just to summarize, we have the component like skin, muscle, bone, or fascia, the location of the re recipient site and proximity to the donor site, and then now lastly, the vascular pattern. So terms that we often hear for the vascular pattern is either random, random pattern flap or an axial pattern flap. And then also we hear these terms pedicled versus a free flap. So we'll go into each of those in a little bit more detail. Rosie, do you wanna explain what a random pattern flap is? Yes, so random pattern flaps are not based on any named vessel. It's based on the subdermal plexus supplying the tissue. And if you're gonna do a random pattern flap, you have to make sure that your length and width are proportional so that you can support the flap based on the subdermal plexus. Because if you think about it, if you elevate a really long and narrow flap, the end of that flap that you're transposing is gonna not get as good of blood supply as the base of it, because it's not as close to where the blood's coming from. 
So the, the maximum dimensions would be three to one as a ratio. So the length can be three times the width of your base. Ideally it's two to one if it's skin, but your maximum is three to one. And you can also have a random pattern flap that is myocutaneous. So it includes the muscle. So again, um, back to that V to Y flap includes some muscle. Um, and that is a random pattern flap. Awesome. And all of this is sort of in contrast to an axial pattern flap and an axial pattern flap is simply a flap where there's a named vessel that enters at the base of the flap and then runs along the axis of that flap. So one of the best examples I can think of this for this is, um, well, there are many in our specialty, but something easy to think about is a paramedian forehead flap. So you can envision the supratrochlear vessels going directly into that flap, and there's sort of a long, skinny um, flap of tissue that's elevated on that pedicle. And this really allows you to design, um, have much more flexibility in the size that you're designing because you know that you have a specific vessel that's going to be perfusing that tissue. And then there is this um, subset of an axial pattern flap called an island flap. And really the concept here is instead of just sort of pedicling or rotating, like if you think of a long you know, piece of tissue here, you've, you've completely islandized that skin paddle and you've maybe dissected out around your pedicle, freed it up from other tissues. So your pedicle is intact. You haven't transitioned to a free flap. However, it's not still in um, that rotated piece of, of skin or the rest of the flap. Quick point of interest, um, just in terms of the, the terminology we're using, uh, pedicle is the blood supply that it's based on, FYI. Yes, and, <laughs> and in a couple minutes, we're gonna go a little bit more depth in the difference between a pedicle and a perforator because that's also a common um, sort of hiccup where some um, people, when we're just starting out and learning that we get a little confused between those two terms. Um, Rosie, what's the difference between a pedicled flap and a free flap? So a pedicled flap, when we were talking about the different kinds of flaps earlier, we were talking about sometimes you can have, um, you can leave the blood supply intact and just rotate it or transpose it based on that, um, blood supply. And that would be a pedicled flap. If you cut it and reattach the pedicle, the blood supply, that would be a free flap because you made the tissue free and then you reconnected it. Awesome. That makes a lot of sense. Okay. Another common question that, that people have myself included is what is the difference between <laughs> feet of prefabricated flap and a pre-laminated flap? <laughs> and have you ever done either? <laughs> so, um, we don't do a lot of these. Um, they're common in large reconstructions and burn reconstructions, specifically when you lose a lot of tissue and you have to reconstruct, um, with some tissue that may not be ideal. So, um, prefabricated flaps, start with a transposition of a vascular pedicle into a body of donor tissue that otherwise doesn't possess its own axial blood supply. So you're basically creating the possibility for a pedicled flap. Um, Pre-lamination, on the other hand, is when you add additional tissue types or tissue layers into an established vascular bed. So maybe you have your great tissue that you wanna to use to rotate into somewhere on a pedicled flap and you put a little piece of cartilage underneath it and you let that flap pre-laminate itself. I think of um, like a laminating machine and you're like enclosing that new cartilage tissue uh, in between the layers um, that you wanna take. And so that's usually used in things like ear reconstruction and nose reconstruction. Awesome, that's really, that makes a lot of sense. And I could see why somebody might wanna use a pre-laminated flap. If you are in the same surgery, elevating a flap putting a foreign body, or even if it's the patient's autologous tissue, but something non-vascularized like a piece of cartilage 
and rotating that tissue, you're asking that flap to do a lot for you. So I could see how it might be, you know, very safe to stage that procedure in that way. That makes a lot of sense. Definitely. All right, moving on to the difference between a pedicle and a perforator. So first we're gonna start with what is a perforator flap? So perforator flap is skin or fat and fascia or some combination of this that is supplied by vessels that pass through or in between deep tissues. And so in order to minimize damage to your donor site, you'll dissect through the deep tissues to free up the blood supply instead of taking that muscle or septum with you. What are the common perforator flaps that we do? Um, so we have muscle sparing flaps or true perforator flaps. And a lot of the ones that you'll see in the ORs, you'll have deeps, um, which are the belly tissue, Tdaps, which are like your posterior shoulder tissue or tap. Some people use the nomenclature for a thoracodorsal artery perforator flap. They call oh. that a Tdap. Other people call it a tap, um, not tap. using the D. Um, all right. And then as Rosie mentioned, we have deep flaps, which we use for breast reconstruction all the time, and then ALT flaps. You mentioned something interesting. You mentioned there we could do muscle sparing flaps or we could do a true perforator flap. I think the best way to understand this is a, a true perforator flap really allows you to preserve that deep tissue as best as possible. So when we first started doing breast reconstruction, we did trams. We took all of the rectus muscle with the flap. Then we started to find that, well, there were these large perforators supplying the overlying tissue that came through the rectus muscle. In order to spare the rectus muscle, we could dissect around those perforators and dissect down to your deep inferior vessels. Well, what happens when you have only several small perforators or the intramuscular dissection you determine, you know, not to be suitable to um, a perforator flap? Well, in those cases, you could do a muscle sparing flap. And so, this is sort of a hybrid version between um, a non-perforator flap where you might be taking the muscle in deep tissue and a perforator flap. And so you might take a small amount of muscle. Um, and that's something that happens not infrequently in doing deep flaps. Sometimes patient or sometimes um, patients, instead of undergoing a deep flap, will have an MS tram or a muscle spring tram. So that's what that comes from. Mm -hmm. So is a radial forearm flap a perforator flap? Because, you know, we don't really like take muscle with us. So we don't take muscle with a radial forearm, the vessels right there. So technically it's a fascia cutaneous flap. All right. Next, let's talk about how we classify flaps. Hmm. I originally thought of this as like a vascular classification of flaps. Um, but I think I really like how you're presenting it here and like a totally different classification because we're classifying this only within muscle flaps. Yeah, exactly. So we're going to talk about the Mathis and the high classification. Now they do have a classification for fascia cutaneous flaps, which we'll discuss. The muscle flap classification is truly what they're known for is the sort of the, the very common one that you're going to hear about and that you've probably been asked in, you know, in the operating room or in the clinical setting. It'll sound like what type of muscle flap is this Mathis and high classifications? So right. every types one through five. Great. So there's five types. Can you go through what those types are for us? Mm -hmm. So type one mass and high muscle flaps are muscles with a single major and dominant vascular pedicle. So that's like the TFL flap. Awesome. And then a type two <laughs> flap also has a major pedicle, but then additionally has some minor pedicles. Typically when thinking of the difference between a major and a minor, a major is something that you're going to base your flap on a minor. You're often not basing your flap on. However, you do know that that flap has some additional blood supply. So common type two flap that we're tested on is a gracilis. Mm -hmm. And then a type three masks and high muscle flap is, um, a flap with two major pedicles. So that's something like the gluteus maximus. Oh, or the rectus flap. 
Yes, or the rectus flap. Awesome. A type four flap is something with segmental blood supply. So most commonly, um, an example of this is the sartorius muscle. We often use this for groin reconstruction um, in patients who have, um, you know, prosthetic material in their vessels um, supplying their leg. And often we're able to identify a, a section of the sartorius muscle, see, you know, two or three perforators supplying that section, and then actually um, rotate that muscle over to help provide some nice, healthy vascularized tissue for coverage. Mm -hmm. And this kind of helps you figure out like how much of it you can rotate. So if you have a couple great perforators up, you know, on the superior edge of the muscle, then you may be able to rotate in fairly, um, and, and just make sure it continues to get that good blood supply. So that was type four. And then type five is a muscle with a major pedicle and then segmental perforators as well. Um, and that is something like latissimus and also a pec major flap. And yes. that's something that we think a lot about for chest wall reconstruction. Um, in patients who have had cardiac surgery, um, as many of you may know, the internal mammary arteries are sometimes taken um, to be used for a cabbage or um, used for revascularization of the heart. And so we know if an, if an internal mammary artery um, has been utilized on a given side, then that pec muscle no longer has that segmental blood supply from the IMA. And then we have to rely on the major blood supply. Awesome. So just to recap for everyone, Matheson High muscle flap classification. This is type one through five. A type one is a single major ped vascular pedicle. Type two is a major with minor. Type three is two majors. Type four is segmental. And type five is a major plus segmental. So there's also a fascia cutaneous flap classification um, that was described in Matheson High. I don't think this is something that we're tested about quite as frequently. However, conceptually, I think it's really helpful because it helps describe that path of the perforator. And again, this is um, how that, that perforator is traveling from that named source vessel or the pedicle. So there's three types. They use um, type A, B, and C. Type A would be a direct cutaneous perforator. So that means that perforator is coming up directly from the primary um, vascular pedicle and not tra traversing a septum or muscle. So that you can imagine that would be the most straightforward of those dissections. A type B is a septocutaneous perforator. So that's when those perforators comes through the septum. So when we are talking about an ALT flap, we love an ALT flap where the patient's anatomy has a septocutaneous perforator. This makes for more straightforward dissection. However, some patients have muscular cutaneous perforators in an ALT flap, and this would be a type C. A Tdap is often gonna be a type C. This is coming through the muscle. A deep flap is a type C. These are coming mm -hmm. through the muscle. And this can help you kind of technically think through when you're dissecting a flap or when you're watching someone dissect a flap, like how complex it's gonna be and how you can describe it to other people. Awesome, so let me just summarize, because I know we've gone through like a lot of information mm -hmm. and this um, might be a little bit overwhelming. Um, all right, so first we talked about recipient versus donor sites. So recipient is where, what you're trying to reconstruct. Donor site is where that tissue is coming from. Then we talked about the difference between a flap and a graft. A flap comes with an intact circulation that could either be left in continuity or disconnected and, and done as a, as a free tissue transfer. Whereas a graft is tissue that's transported, transported without an intact circulation. All right, then we talked about three different ways that we classify flaps. We talk about the component of the flap, skin, muscle, bone, or fascia. We talk about the location of the recipient site in proximity to the donor site. So we talked about local, regional, or distant flaps. And then lastly, we talked about vascular patterns. Within vascular patterns, we had two different ways that we classified flaps. 
The first was random, a random pattern flap versus an axial pattern flap where we have a named vessel that's entering the base of the flap. And then we described pedicled versus free where the pedicled flaps were left in continuity, free flaps were um, the blood supply was disconnected, transferred to a different part of the body and reconnected. And then lastly, we spent some time talking about perforator flaps, the difference between a perforator and a pedicle where the pedicle is the named source vessel and a perforator is a branch from that source vessel supplying the overlying tissue. A perforator flap is gonna be skin, fat or fascia that's supplied by vessels that pass through or in between deep tissues. And the way you dissect and elevate that flap, you are minimi minimizing damage um, to your donor site by dissecting through the deep tissues to that source vessel, as opposed to taking the deep tissues with you. Lastly, we talked about different ways of flap, ways to classify flaps. We have a muscle flap classification through Matheson High. This is type one through five, and then also the fascia cutaneous flap classification by the same authors. Wow. Rosie, that was a lot. That was a lot. But now I do feel like I'm ready to actually understand what people are talking about. Yes. Are you ready to go do a flap? Let's do it. Okay. All right. Thanks so much for listening to our discussion on flaps today in our back to basics uh, section here. Hopefully it's helpful to you. Uh, so please rate, review, subscribe to the resident review wherever you get your podcast and feel free to share these episodes with your friends so we can continue to make our community of plastic surgeons better together. Awesome. Thanks for having me, Rosie. Yay. As a plastic surgeon with a unique vision for each patient, the more options you have at your fingertips, the better. Natrell is one of the portfolios available to you. To learn more, visit natrellsurgeon.com.